new football news. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. The Boilermakers will be big underdogs on Saturday as they welcome in third-ranked Ohio State, but Purdue's been here before versus the Buckeyes. Can the Boilermakers repeat history? Let's break it down on the Golden Black Radio pregame podcast. I'm Kyle Charters, Tom Deanhart here as well, Brian Newbert, and Alan Karpik. Uh, Tom, the Boilermakers need to recover from what was a rough outing last week at Iowa, uh, and they have to do so against the Buckeyes, a very good football team, a football team that is uh, playing for a lot, the Big Ten, potentially uh, the college football playoffs, potentially a national championship. This is a tough matchup for Purdue. Comes at a, a really tough time to Ohio State's a, a near three touchdown, 19 point last time I looked. Favorite. Purdue's going to have to do a lot of things well on Saturday. Yeah, you're right. We've seen this before. We've seen this this uh, this scenario. Obviously, Kyle Charters, you've been around a long time, seen a lot of these crazy Purdue-Ohio State games. The just It's one of the most confounding things how Purdue's had that little whammy over the Buckeyes in Ross Age Stadium. Well, going back to at least the 2000 season with that, that the Seth Morales game, we'll call it, in 2004, 2009, 2011. And, of course, last time Ohio State was here, buddy, 2018, one of the greatest days in, I think, Ross Stadium history for the fandom when they had that 49-20 thumping of the number two Buckeyes in the Tyler Trent game five years ago. Can you believe it? And yeah, here we are. And, again, um, you talk about it, again, needing a, a perfect script. You know, Purdue's got to generate at least two or three turnovers, or you know, from Ohio State. You got to get some explosive plays on offense to score too, right? You're not going to nickel and dime your way to success with ten and twelve play drives consistently against teams like this, for sure. And um, I think Kyle too to win a game like this here, Purdue, as a heavy underdog, you got to get what I always call an unconventional touchdown, yeah. defense or special team. So. That's just the beginning of my my, my to do list. If the boys want to pull another stunner here over Ohio State, got to get off to a good start too. And Ohio State has actually gotten off to slow starts this year, including last week against Maryland. Now they pulled away in the second half, late in the second half against the Terps, uh, and ended up with what looked like a comfortable victory. I'm not sure it was quite as comfortable as what the final score looked, but. For Purdue to have any chance here, uh, Tom, the Boilermakers have to get off to a good start. And maybe the one thing that Purdue has done consistently well this season is run the football. And perhaps if you can get off to a good start, you can continue to lean in on that, uh, turn the ball over, get one of those unconventional scores, and then maybe be there somehow in the second half. That, to me, seems like uh, the uphill path for Purdue. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, running the ball has been a real strength of the 2023 Boilermakers. They're probably going to be, Kyle, without one of their, their best backs, Tyrone Tracy. Um, he's likely out the groin injury. He didn't play all at all in the second half last week at Iowa. So it could be the Devin Mockaby show with Dylan Downing uh, helping as well. Yeah, you got to run the ball. And, um, you know, Ryan, Ryan Walters talked about, too, doing better on first downs. He thought their always were consistently behind the chains right away on offense second and long or third just is very disadvantaged just down in distance situations too often on offense so do do better on first down as well one other maybe flying the ointment for the run game is the fact that marcus bow arguably the best lineman is out for the year fans remember him getting cardle off the field last week 
dislocated ankle. He had surgery on Tuesday, obviously done for the year. And um, so, yeah, boy, there, there goes your left tackle, right? And probably Ben Farrell, the NAIA kid from Indiana Wesleyan, probably will get to start. Daniel Johnson, probably going to get some reps, I would think, too. So, yeah, the Boilers will be without, like I said, Marcus Bow, one of their better linemen, if not their best linemen. Yeah, Purdue sort of beat up here coming out of that game against Iowa. We know, you know, Tracy, you know, Bo, as mm -hmm. you said, Hudson Card is playing through it. It seems like, I mean, you know, we we never know exactly what's going on with guys, but you look at back now at last week and you probably figure that he's got to be a little bit more beat up than what uh, even is being led on, right? I mean, you look at some of, I think the decision-making uh, seemed atypical for him, holding on to the ball a little bit too long, maybe not running the ball as often as what we would have anticipate for him. Uh, he's getting hit too often. Um, now, some of that was on him last week, some of it on on the offensive line. But Purdue's going to have to do something on Saturday yeah. to try to keep him uh, upright, keep him from getting hit. Uh, I'm not sure what that is. Quick passing game, move the pocket, establish yeah. running game, probably a little bit of all of those things. But Hudson Card's beat up, and he's going to take on a really good Ohio State defense. Yeah, I think you hit on all three things Purdue needs to do for that formula for Hudson Card. Uh, and, um, yeah, very, very beat up last week. Uh, boy, from everything I, I was able to gather, it was, it was a, and they had to do a lot to get him on the field at Iowa. Kyle, he got hurt way back early in the Illinois game and played through it then and then uh, gutted it out this last week at Iowa. And I think you're exactly right. That really impacted how we performed as far as holding the ball too long. Two intentional grounding penalties, I believe. Six sacks. And uh, that was against an Iowa defense that was last in the nation in sacks coming into the game. And I think, yeah, I think maybe he was a little bit of gun shy to take off and run. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully he's in a little bit better shape this week. You know, Ohio State, look at their defensive stats. Like Iowa, they haven't had a lot of success getting sacks this year. But we'll see that they're very talented from, from front to back on that defense. Jack Sawyer's very good off the edge. Denzel Ward back there at cornerback. They always have studs. Kyle, you know that. So um, we'll see if, if Hudson can keep upright. And more importantly, Kyle, for Purdue's offense, we'll see if they can get big plays. And, when I talk big plays in pre offense, I always think of number four, Deion Burks. He only had four catches for 19 yards last week, Kyle. That, that can't happen again. He's got to have big plays. Ohio State's offense certainly has a ton of potential. Now, it probably has not reached that potential as of yet, but Purdue's going to be tested, certainly. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. is is really good, and they've got other weapons besides just him out there as well. Yeah, Mecca Mbula, uh, the other wide receiver, uh, both NFL guys, heck. Marvin Harrison may be a top five pick, probably. Um, and then they're going to get Travion Henderson, one of their best running backs in the lineup. He missed the Maryland game last. You know, Kyle McCord looks like a pretty pedestrian quarterback. He's coming on a little bit. They've started slow this year on offense. Great tight end in Kate Stover. You know, the one weak spot, talking to Buckeye people, Kyle, is the line on offense. Um, some real questions, and they've been really inconsistent up front. So maybe that Boilermaker D-line can have some success. That's been a real strength, I think, for Purdue. They've done well getting after the quarterback this year, especially Kydron Jenkins, Nick Scorton. So, again, watch that matchup between the Purdue defensive line and that Buckeye offensive line. Maybe the Boilers can bring some heat, too, and try to get after Kyle McCord.
All right, a couple of things here, Tom. As we talked about off the top, Ohio State, for whatever reason, has struggled at times in Ross-Ade Stadium. For whatever reason, it's probably because Purdue has played well in those games. The other thing is, do you believe in trap games? Because for yeah. Ohio State, this is this is sort of the the prototypical trap game, right? Um, you know, big sort of game last week against uh, Maryland, a, a Terrapin team probably that was not being recognized uh, enough for as good as it had been at the start of this season. Uh, but more than that, uh, Ohio State has Penn State next week, then mm-hmm. at Wisconsin the week after that, a couple of big games. Uh, for the Buckeyes, any belief there uh, from from uh, from your point of view on on a potential trap here for Ohio State? I think so, without a doubt. Yeah, that Penn State game looms, looms huge for obvious reasons. The way Penn State's playing, they have UMass this week. They're they're going to come in that game unbeaten, obviously. And uh, you know, may, maybe you know for Ohio State, just this the, the, they've been reminded of Purdue's history over over the Buckeyes. Maybe the Buckeyes are tired of hearing about that and getting reminded of how they've been upset often in Ross eight stadiums. So um, it's a storyline that's been repeated. So maybe that'll motivate them. Who knows though, but it's just been one of those bizarre circumstances. Uh, brought a lot of joy to Purdue fans. I, I remember back in 1984 when I was in college, when they knocked off the number two Buckeyes, when they had Keith Byers and Mike Tomzak and those guys and Rod Woodson ran a INT back for, for an interception. So yeah, they, they've had a nice history of it. And, um, like I said, maybe this this is you know, the Buckeyes will overlook Purdue again, and they can shock the world once again against the number three team in the country. Much more to go on the uh, pregame show here. We'll talk to Brian Newberg and his perspective on the Boilermakers. Alan Carpet by as well. Big Ten look, a little historical glance. Sure, we'll talk about that game five years ago as well. We'll get a weather update here in just a moment. Also, you're listening to the Gold Black Radio pregame podcast. Hello from News 18. I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. The Boilermakers are taking on the Ohio Buckeyes with a kickoff time around noon at Rossade Stadium. Unfortunately, the weather is not looking good for Saturday. If you plan on tailgating, make sure to bring your rain gear. And if you have tents, also be sure to strap them down well. Temperatures in the morning will be in the lower 50s with winds out of the west 10 to 15 miles per hour. Mostly cloudy skies and drizzle will be likely throughout the morning. At kickoff, temperatures will be near 56 with rainy and sustained winds at around 10 to 15 miles per hour, but will increase by the end of the game with gusts up to 30 to 35 miles per hour at times. Overall, expect a wet, windy, cloudy, and cool day for some Boilermaker football. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. Boiler up, hammer down. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent. Hey, pleased to be joined by the great Bill Rizinowitz, who covers the Buckeyes for the Columbus Dispatch, longtime Ohio State scribe. Bill, 
Thanks for joining us. Let's just jump right into the deep end. Kind of tell our listeners what they can expect from this Ohio State offense. I know there have been a few struggles early on, but maybe they're getting their momentum going here. Yeah, it's a little weird because, you know, the skill positions are really, really good. Uh, starting with Marvin Harrison, the wide receiver, obviously. Rebecca Luca, he got banged up uh, in the last week's game, so I'm not sure about his status. But Kyle McCord is coming on as quarterback. Uh, they've got some really good running backs. The problem, though, is the offensive line. It just hasn't played the level that Ohio State's used to. They haven't opened holes. They, they really struggled in the run game against Maryland. That's been a problem for a year. Uh, pass protection, which has been pretty good, broke down several times against Maryland. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, uh, Ryan Day seems even open to make some changes. We'll see. We'll see as the week progresses. But uh, I think a lot of the attention is going to be on that line because it's been, it's been a little shaky. And then defensively, I know uh, you know Jim Knowles has done a pretty good job coordinating that defense. Looks like it's it's improved. Sort of give our listeners an idea of what to expect from that Buckeye defense on Saturday. Yeah, it's been quite good. They haven't given up more than, uh, what is it, how many minutes? I mean, they only have last week, uh, 14. Uh, you know, I mean, it's been, been really good. Uh, 17 points, and that was, that was a season high. Uh, they've been really good. They've, the problem at the end of last year against Michigan and Georgia was explosive plays. They've really, really made a concentrated effort to cut that down, and they, and they have. They have not given up a play longer than 40 yards all year. Um, and they've been pretty disruptive, very good against the run. Um, uh, and the, the, the most improved part of the game is the secondary. The quarterback last year, that was a problem because a lot of those guys were injured, trying to play through injuries. Well, Denzel Burke is healthy. He's playing at a, a first-round type of level. David um, Benoson, who uh, transferred from all this last year, uh, or after last year, has been a real... A really good addition, and John Proctor uh, is a different player this year. Uh, he, he, he didn't really play much last year. He got touched after missing one early tackle against Notre Dame in the opener, and Ransom replaced him. Well, this year Ransom is playing, and he's playing very, very well. He had a pick six last week against Maryland, that took the third by Dave around. Um, so the back end is, is really good. Uh, and, and the leader of the defense is, is linebacker, middle linebacker, Bobby Eichenberg. And then, Bill. Ohio State's a heavy favorite here. Give us a quick assessment on how you think this, this game will play out. Purdue sort of had a funny hex over the Buckeyes, as you obviously know, uh, going back to the 2000 season. I believe they've beaten Ohio State four or five times in Ohio State Stadium. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's about the only reason to think this game could be competitive. It's just because Ohio State seems to be a house of horrors for Ohio State. Um, other than that, I really just don't see it happening. Um, but, you know, again, college football, crazy things can happen. Uh, maybe history repeats itself, but it's a competitive game. So, well, honestly, if the high school offensive run doesn't get together, or the offense struggles early the way, uh, the offense struggles the way it did early against Maryland, you know, who knows? But, but on paper, I see it's like a 19 point uh, margin. And that's what it was against Maryland, which I always thought was high. Uh, so it comes to right. It doesn't be a 20 point margin, although it certainly didn't play out that way for most of the game. You know, this one feels to me like, yeah, 20 points is probably at least, you know, on the, on the low end of things, maybe. But, again, you know, Purdue's kind of been up and down, too, right? So, so who knows? That'll be interesting, Bill. Look forward to seeing you Saturday, noon Eastern time, kickoff. 
on Peacock. Thanks for giving us some of your time, sir. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. This is the Golden Black Radio pregame show, the most in-depth guide to Saturday's game you'll find, featuring the staff of Golden Black. Well, let's bring in Brian Newber to get his perspective on the Boilermakers before they take on the Ohio State Buckeyes at noon on Saturday. Uh, Brian, oftentimes new coaching staffs have moments, right? I mean, Joe Tiller did against Notre Dame, uh, obviously. Uh, you know, Jeff Brom uh, did uh, early in his career in many ways against this very same Ohio State team. Not very same, but very same program. Um, for Ryan Walters, you know, looking for that moment, whether that comes this weekend or not, uh, who's to say until – you know, after Saturday, but uh, clearly Purdue still here early on in the Walters era searching for uh, that big thing. Yeah, I don't know if I can really say anything that chat GPT couldn't tell you here, but, um, <laughs> you know, obviously when you're a new staff, momentum is really important. And I think, oh. you know, that was the story of Jeff Brom's first not just his first season, but his first two seasons. They always had that ability to, you know, when things were plateauing a little bit, they always pulled a big win. They always pulled a big story. They always had a star emerge, you know, something like that. And, you know, Purdue's, Purdue under Ryan Walters is kind of still looking for that moment. Um, yeah. Uh, I think they've had some momentum up to the, this point just because of all the energy that this new staff has sort of brought to the program in terms of recruiting and just excitement and, you know, kind of things like that. But it's, it's probably time to, you know, get that win or at least get that game where you look like you really belong against a really good opponent. Um, yeah. You know, hindsight being what it is, the Virginia tech win seemed like a really big win under those circumstances, not to say it wasn't, but obviously Virginia tech isn't going to move the needle in the 
court of public opinion. Illinois is not going to move the needle in the court of public opinion. If you just, you know, obviously everybody wants to win every game, but if you just, you know, compete with Ohio State, you you go on. I can't say national television anymore, but if you go on your favorite streaming service and look <laughs> like you belong, um, that's something that can catch people's attention. The way, you know, Jeff Brom's first game against Notre Dame, you remember the the feeling after that game was they're going to be all right. And, uh, you know, that kind of thing. I think that, um, yeah. you know, people pay attention to these games. And I think this is a good opportunity, obviously, for Purdue to – at least put its best foot forward. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on with Purdue. There's a lot of injuries. I don't think Hudson Card's 100%, which is no bueno, as they say. Uh, that's Spanish for not good, in case you don't know that. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, the deck is stacked against them, but that's all the more opportunity than to do something that surprises people. Yeah, I mean, that does not help. I mean, Purdue is in a, in a bind, it seems, from a, from a health point of view. You mentioned Card, but there's some others. Uh, who we know for sure are going to be out uh, at at pretty critical uh, positions for Purdue that make that uh, even more difficult. But but perhaps it's end moments like this, and I'm not saying Purdue's going to pull off the upset this weekend, but uh, maybe can compete more than what uh, at least experts Vegas uh, anticipates. But maybe it's moments like this, perhaps the following week, after the bye at least, on the road back in Nebraska where – you know, Purdue can, can make something happen and, uh, you know, have that, have that moment that makes you feel like uh, things are moving in the right direction uh, for Purdue. Not that they aren't, uh, but certainly at some point you want to see uh, results in the win column. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anything that has happened thus far uh, dismisses the notion that Purdue's moving in the right direction. I think this is, Um, this is very much a transitional year. Um, I I think we've we've been clear about that, um, from the jump here. Um, but even the games Purdue's lost this year, I mean, with the exception of, uh, you know, maybe Iowa here, uh, last week, even though the final score was, you know, close, I don't think Purdue's been that far off. I think Iowa really, really shined the light on a lot of things where Purdue is just not up to code. To mm-hmm. win a game like that, um, Wisconsin did to a certain extent too. But I don't think Purdue's been that far off being a you know above average football team. I don't want to say a good football team. They had a great football team, but I think they're uh, not all that far off from being a product that people would be pretty satisfied with at this point if they just yeah. you know things small things here and there just played out a little bit differently. Um, whether they're up to uh competing in a game like this I don't know I will also say I don't think Ohio State's done a whole lot to be where people should be afraid of them I think that the one team in the Big Ten I'd be scared to death of is Michigan but if you've watched Ohio State to this point um you know if Notre Dame just puts 11 dudes on the field you know we don't know how that game ends um you know Maryland was toe-to-toe with them for three quarters of that game if I'm recalling correctly, uh, I don't think I watched that game all the way through to the end. Maryland's pretty good, but they yeah. were, they still should not be in a position to, you know, be competitive in, a, in Columbus against that typical Ohio State team. I don't think Ohio State has the quarterback talent that it normally has had. Um, I think you're seeing that at a lot of really premier programs where 
it's hard to keep good program, two good quarterbacks in your program yes. anymore. Um, and you know, when Ohio State loses a Quinn Ewers, um, and is left with a Kyle McCord. Now, a Kyle McCord is still like a five star recruit or whatever he was. But um, you know, if, if Ohio State had kept Quinn Ewers, Kyle McCord would not be their quarterback right now. Um, so I don't think Ohio State's quarterback situations would scare anybody either. Um, but that being said, Ohio State is still going to have an advantage at almost every single position on the field, uh, as it always does. And those receivers uh, are monster, absolute monsters. Um, and Purdue's got a lot of injuries, and it, it just—I'm just saying Ohio State in a vacuum is not as scary as Ohio State often is. But that doesn't mean that they're still not much, much more physically capable uh, than Purdue is, both from a talent perspective and a health perspective. We'll talk about that uh, scary team that you mentioned here in a few weeks when Purdue does travel to Michigan. The Wolverines are pretty good. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup. Let's bring in Alan Carpenter to talk some Big Ten football. We'll talk five games on the slate outside of the one here in West Lafayette. Noon kickoff on Saturday hmm. as the Indiana Hoosiers travel to number two Michigan. Indiana at two and three zero and two in the Big Ten. Michigan is really good six and zero three and zero in conference play. The Wolverines favored by. 33, which is actually – that line has moved, right? I thought it was like 30 yeah. and a half points at, at one point. Uh, so I read this stat about Michigan. Michigan this season, Al, has not allowed an opponent to have a first and goal all season. Yeah, that's, that's, that's just a, a discussion or a proof and point about – which I didn't know that stat, by the way, so I'm going to give you full credit. But they – Proof of how good they've been defensively and, and a little bit of a function of who the Wolverines have played. Yeah, their uh, schedule. And, and, and this is another game that's going to be, you know, is it going to be almost impossible to determine uh, how good these guys are? I think when Michigan plays Maryland, obviously we're going to get a little bit of a barometer as we did last week with Ohio State. But obviously, it's going to come down to the triangle between Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State and, and how that all plays out. Uh, and uh, Michigan's very, very, very good. They've outscored uh, uh, their opponents, what, 97 to 17. And, uh, you know, they're just killing teams, uh, but they're killing teams that aren't very good. And they're going to do that again on Saturday. I don't know what the line is. Indiana's not very good. Uh, they're not good enough offensively to scare Michigan for more than more than about two minutes. And I think J.J. Uh, uh, McCarthy and company will have a, have a good um, uh, yeah, a good practice session against the Hoosiers. First nine games of the season for Michigan. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, all at home, Rutgers at home, at Nebraska, at Minnesota, Indiana at home, at Michigan State, and Purdue at home. 
Mm. And then and then it's Penn State and Ohio State. And then, at, right and then the at Penn State, at Maryland, and Ohio State at home. So last all three, three of those games. Yeah, yeah, get a little bit more real. But those first nine, uh, mm, not much there. All right, uh, another Noom game. Michigan State traveling to Piscataway uh, to take on Rutgers. The Scarlet Knights four and two, one and two in the Big Ten. Michigan State is two and three, zero oh and two in conference play. Rutgers favored by four and a half points, which seems too low to me. I think this this feels like kind of game that the Scarlet Knights can just wear out uh, the Spartans. Maybe it turns out to only be like a six or seven point game, but Rutgers controls it and wins, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think Michigan State is still in a state of shock or whatever they're in, and they weren't very good in the first place. Um, and I think that that makes it difficult for them to, you know, Michigan Rutgers is, uh, despite your statement, which isn't always that far off that they're the second best team in the West. <laughs> we can say that every week, apparently. But the point is, is that Rutgers is well coached. Uh, Michigan State's coaching staff is in a is in, in disarray, even though we're several weeks removed from the calamity. Uh, but it's I think that they'll that will allow them to have the stability to just pound, like you said, pound Michigan State and beat them. Uh, you know, I think by more than four, but I would be surprised. Michigan State's got some got some skilled players that can that can cause some problems, but uh, they just haven't. Uh, they just in such a funk from a team standpoint. I think Rutgers gets the job done. UMass and Penn State. Not sure we need <laughs> to talk a whole lot about this one. The Lions uh, are five and zero. Oh. UMass is one and six. Penn State favored by forty one and a half points. Even if the Nittany Lions uh, are in a trap game here with Ohio State coming up uh, next week. I'm not sure that it's going to matter all that much. It's not. Yeah, it's it's it, I don't I don't think it would be uh it would be one of the you know we've said this before it would be one of the great upsets in the history of college football if UMass goes into this game. You don't hear about many 40-point underdogs winning. You occasionally hear about a 30 and even that is very rare. Uh and I just think it Penn State, this is the most uh, – this is a hot, hot take here coming right at you. Just Penn State's got to stay healthy through this. Don't get a silly injury. And, again, what will be a glorified scrimmage at Happy Valley. 3.30 kickoff uh, at Maryland. The Terps 5-1, and 2-1 one, and one in the Big Ten against Illinois, 2-4, and 0-3 oh, in conference play. Maryland favored by a couple of touchdowns. The one, I think, concern you have if you're the Terps is just a letdown here. I mean, I think Maryland played – uh, better than what the final score indicates uh, last week against Ohio State. And this is a game that Maryland needs to win because the schedule is is difficult uh, and, and Illinois is not very good. Um, Illinois might be the worst team in the Big Ten. But Maryland needs to rebound here, get a victory, play well. It seems like it should, but you got to be a little bit worried about a hangover from Ohio State. Yeah, I think you don't, you don't want to be in a situation where it uh... – uh, because they were in a, they were in that game and more than in a game ahead ten to nothing, and they throw a pick six, and that game changed so dramatically. And yet, even into the third quarter, it was still a very competitive football game, which may be a little bit of a, uh, a telltale of where Ohio State is. But and we'll find that out in Ross State Stadium Saturday afternoon. But my point is, is that the, yeah, I, I still think hangover or not, they'll gather themselves in time. They've got a very good offense. They, yes, they haven't. Uh, uh, they didn't run the ball well against Ohio State, but they can run the football, and they've got a they've got a pretty dynamic uh, passing game. And their defenses, even though they gave up thirty seven to Ohio State, uh, one of them being a pick six, 
this is a team that uh, should handle Illinois, who's just abysmal right now, um, with relative ease. The big game in the Big Ten West, Iowa travels to Wisconsin. The Badgers 4-1, 2-0 and in conference play. The Hawkeyes are 5-1 and after the glorious, from an Iowa perspective, win. Typical on-brand Iowa victory, maybe that's the way to say it, against Purdue last week, 2-1 and in conference play. Uh, Wisconsin's favored by nearly 10 points, 9.5. Uh, this is, I mean, it is a big game. Uh, the winner probably is the, the team to beat in the Big Ten West, right? I'm, I'm not sure either team is, is all that great. Uh, Wisconsin probably with a little bit of an edge, especially here at home but as we witnessed last week Iowa does find a way sometimes uh, should be an interesting one in Madison yeah I think it'll be interesting but I just don't think again that the quarterbacking of was of uh, you know the old six for 21 that we saw from Iowa last week uh, it just does not bode well against Wisconsin who's not great uh, but Wisconsin has a lot of balance and the fact that uh, uh, Tanner Mordecai uh, is starting to settle in a little bit, uh, I think, gives them a chance to to get the job done. You know, I, I I thought Iowa is, you know, as we always say, as every coach says, Iowa still is who Iowa is. Well, we heard that from <laughs> from uh, Ryan Walters. We've heard that from others. And yet I just don't think Deacon Hill's going to beat anybody uh, yeah. uh, on the road. I'd be very surprised. Iowa can run the ball. If the weather is poor there, I suppose some things can change. Yes, Iowa could win a 13-9 game, but Wisconsin would have to be really, really struggle offensively. I think Wisconsin has enough balance to score enough points to beat uh, Iowa. That's the Big Ten Roundup. Let's go back in time. With a historical look, here's Alan Karthik. All right, now let's take a historical look at Purdue and Ohio State. The history, uh, all things considered, has been pretty good, recent history at least, for the Boilermakers. Five wins uh, since 2000, which is the the most, right, during that span by an Ohio State opponent? In the Big Ten, well, anyway, right. The Penn State and Michigan have also beaten the Buckeyes five times, but they've played them at – well, Penn's, Michigan's played them every year, and Penn State's played them just about every year since 2000. Purdue certainly has not – so Purdue's winning percentage is pretty good. Yeah, that's that's a great uh, statistic. And the fact that uh, Purdue's signature wins in the 21st century have been against the Buckeyes, all of them in Ross-Age Stadium, though Purdue should have won in 2012 with Danny Hope there at, at Ohio Stadium and Urban Meyer's first year. But, uh, you know, they, yeah, it's it's been an interesting thing. That Purdue's had some good teams that have, you know, obviously the 2000 team was a Rose Bowl-capable team. Uh, they but they've also pulled some pretty good upsets. You know, a near what a 19 point underdog against Ohio State in 2018. They were an almost an 11 point underdog in, in Danny Hope's second win of his career, his first in Big Ten play when he beat Ohio State. Terrell Pryor beat him really pretty soundly. Joey Elliott and Aaron Valentine uh, connected for a big touchdown in that game. Yeah, it's it's been interesting how Purdue's had that uh, had that hex over the Buckeyes. Uh, whether that will happen uh, Saturday afternoon is you've already been discussing throughout the course of this uh, podcast. But I just uh, it has been an interesting thing, and some other signature wins in Ross Age Stadium over the years. 1984, obviously in 1978, 
Uh, Keenan Turner and company, a huge turnaround win to beat the Buckeyes there. Uh, it, it's a tough thing to do, but Purdue's had had some chances to do it over the years. And every time you beat Ohio State, if you're Purdue, with maybe the exception of a, a pretty uh, poor Ohio State team in 2011 with Luke Fickle as the head coach and Robert Marg doing the sneak in overtime for Purdue to win, uh, it's, it's a big deal when you beat Ohio State's the point, but they still rushed the field in 2011 when Purdue did win that game. So, and Danny Hope uh, gave somebody's gave his whistle to somebody, right? So, uh, <laughs> and anyway, those things we remember beating Ohio State's a big has been a big deal for Purdue, and it would be a huge upset, obviously, if Purdue could do it in 2023. It was a big deal five years ago. There's no doubt about that. No uh, doubt. And, and, by the and, way, and, I, I thought Mike and people should go uh, read it. Mike Carmen's uh, look back at that game uh, at goldenblack.com. Just a, just a great, great story and a, and a great way to look back at all that that game meant then and, and what it has meant uh, for people now as well. Uh, just a magical night in Rossade, mm-hmm. uh, a game that I, I still to me feels like something was going on in the stadium that night. I don't know what it was, but there was something, uh, just, uh, an incredible night in Ross aid stadium that will, that will never be repeated. Um, Purdue will beat Ohio state, uh, other times, maybe it'll do it this Saturday, but that night will never be, uh, duplicated. No way. Yeah. Just the myth. It was mystical divine, whatever term you want to use. Um, it was that, and the fact that guys like DJ Knox, you know, all of a sudden turn into uh, guys that are running back that Ohio State couldn't deal with. And Marcus Bailey has a pick six against his hometown team that didn't even think about recruiting him. Uh, and then, of course, Rondale Moore. Uh, and, and I think that that's what and I think this game will continue. I don't know if it'll grow in lore. But it will go down in, you know, I would be hard pressed in all of my years of watching. It is definitely on the top two or three games. If not, you know, you could debate the 2000 game against Ohio State in the Seth Morales catch because there's so much on the line. But the way this game was in, in 2018 was such a shock. And to beat them by 29 points and a team that didn't lose another game the rest of the year, Ohio State, uh, I, I agree with you. I don't think you're ever going to see anything quite like that. And then all the drama of, of Tyler Trent and his presence and, and everything that went along with that. I agree with Mike Carmen kind of brought I like the thing I like about Mike's pieces. He brought some different storylines that even the, the Trents we talked to later this Early later this week, talked about the fact that they learned some things by reading Mike's piece. But uh, really interesting and 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 a absolute monumental college football game. And in a day that, uh, uh, if you remember, also a very windy afternoon, and you know trees were blown down. It went from a very warm day to a freezing cold night. But Purdue warmed the the hearts of Ross Aid Stadium faithful, and and like you said, in a game that will never be repeated. If if or when Ethan Trent becomes Purdue's starting yes. center, it will be the greatest sports story ever told, in my opinion. I mean, it, it, especially if if he would become Purdue's starting center down the road here and, and Purdue would have a big season. What I mean, the greatest sports story ever told, in my opinion. Just Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just full of so many things. And you go back to the Tom Rinaldi piece, which is still stunning to watch. Uh, six minutes of uh, emotion to uh, to this what what went on and the courage of Tyler Trent uh, 
wasn't there was nothing fake about anything he brought to the table and uh, what he went through and endured and yet that night uh might have been what well, might have been it was the greatest night of his life and and uh, all too short but still an unbelievable sports story your quick stuff that movies are made of yeah absolutely thanks al all right thanks kyle that's a historical look at purdue and ohio state back with more in a moment this is golden black radio on the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. Let's bring Tom back in to talk a little bit of uh, matchups, Ohio State and Purdue. You mentioned it earlier, Tom, that you know Purdue's going to have to do uh, something unconventional, it seems like, get a, a score on defense, score on special teams, do something, get an extra possession or two, be a turnover, a couple short fields. Uh, do something of that nature. That seems paramount in a game like this in which you are a near three-touchdown underdog. Yeah, without a doubt, block a punt, maybe scoop and score. And I think you, 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 we talked about running the football, too. DJ, DJ Knox, you know, last time they played here in Ross, they, the yeah. big game he had, remember that? And uh, yeah, we, in any game you're going to win, you typically have to run the ball well. And I think, you know, Devin Mock looked pretty good last week. Kyle did not fumble the football. So that was a positive development. So, uh, yeah, so that, that's going to be something to watch, too, how well the Boilermakers can run it. And, Kyle, the weather. I mean, it sounds like we could have some rain. Maybe it's a wet track. I mean, was, does that slow down the Buckeyes? Or, does, or whose hands does that play into? Typically, it hurts the team that's more athletic and more, has more speed. So you think a wet surface, if we have a wet surface, could really be an advantage for Purdue because maybe that will slow down the Buckeyes a little bit. Who knows? There were so many stars from that game five years ago, uh, Tom, you know, from from David Blau to Rondell Moore, obviously, to Tyler Trent, to, to you know, Marcus Bailey and returning the, the interception yep. that sort of sealed it against his hometown Buckeyes that, yes, DJ Knox sort of gets lost in all that, but he had like 150 yards or something, right? Rushing, I mean, it was 
just an incredible game uh, for him. Might take a similar type of effort on the ground by Purdue. The thing that Purdue Purdue's defense needs to do among many things is just it cannot give up the big play. I mean that yeah, yeah. that bit the Boilermakers last week on the ground against Iowa with a long touchdown run. You know, against an Iowa team that you felt like was really going to be challenged to score on 10 play, 12 play drives to give up the long play there for the first touchdown to the Hawkeyes was a real, you know, an early backbreaker. Uh, You just cannot let this Ohio State team score easily. You've got to make the Buckeyes earn it. Yeah, that was the difference in the game last week. Kyle had a 67 yard touchdown run in, I think, the first quarter. And I agree, you know, it's going to be hard, though. And, and one thing to be mindful of, Kyle, Purdue's starting true freshman at one of its cornerback spots. Derek Rogers got his first career start last week at Iowa, you know, because Marquise Wilson is out for the year with a wrist injury. And you know Ohio State knows that. You know Ohio State's going to go right after that kid. And we've already talked about the, the elite level of play Ohio State has at wideout. So, Again, uh, watch that matchup number 13. Derek Rogers is the true freshman cornerback from Orlando. Marquevious Brown, obviously, number one's the other corner. So, um, yeah, that's got that's going to be something to be mindful of. And exactly right, Kyle. And if it's easy for the Buckeyes to rip off 80, 80 you know, an, an 80 play, uh, for, for an, an, 80, an 80 yard touchdown for a, on a run or a pass, my goodness, it could be a real, a real long afternoon because Bruce got to do all it can to make the Buckeyes work for, for its points. All right, time. Who you got on uh, Saturday? <laughs> got to go. Got to go, Buckeyes. Right. I, I think they're going to cover too. I've got somewhere along the line of forty-four to seventeen. Um, I, I think Ohio State, like I said, is just tired of hearing about the storyline. They're tired of hearing about their sordid history in Ross State Stadium. They're motivated. They're not going to look past Purdue to Penn State. I think there's too much talent, especially that wide receiver spot. I think they are going to get some easy scores and some long scores. And they will leave Ross A. Stadium with a smile on their face. Yeah, I'd love to be able to say we can see some sort of magical repeat of five years ago. But man, that was a that was a once in a lifetime type of uh, game for Purdue. Uh, I just don't see it in this one. I think the Boilermakers are really beat up, unfortunately, and just not deep enough to sustain all of that. And uh, I've got Ohio State roll into a victory here. I don't know. I think it's one of those that's just sort of a ho hum thirty to ten type of game where it really just uh, you know, unfortunately for Purdue, isn't that close. Uh, Ohio State sort of jumps on Purdue early and then just sort of keeps the Boilermakers at arm's length for for the majority of the contest. I'll uh, I'll take Ohio State. I don't know if the 20 points ends up covering or not. We're at 19 right now on that line, but right there. Think about uh, this right too, there. Kyle. I don't think – I think Ohio State's brought a lot better teams than Ross State Stadium than this one. Um, but, again, I think because you talked about the nature of Purdue's roster, how beat up it is. I think uh, that, that could really play, play to their detriment. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Tom. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right. That'll do it for our show for Tom Deanhart, Brian Newbert, and Alan Kerpik. I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Gold Black Radio.